Today is the fifth message on Harpazo. The fifth message on Harpazo. And the second coming. See, Harpazo, which means to be caught away in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. That's a specific private encounter. That we as believers, those who have died in the past, trusting and believing that Yeshua is the Messiah. And those who are currently living at the time when this being caught up, harpazo, the appearing of the Lord in the clouds. See, this is an invitation for those who are non-believers to meet Yeshua face to face and to be transformed instantaneously. At that very moment, those who are in laying in the graves, they will rise. Isn't it interesting that Brother Tim shared with us about a group that wrote a song, The Grave Robber by Petra? Isn't it amazing that the Lord would just bring that across Tim's path and for him to, to encourage us? Hey, check this out. As he said, he believes that the Holy Spirit gave this group that song to write. You know what? I'm looking forward later today to look at that. It's probably on YouTube someplace, or maybe there's some other areas, that, or even just look up the lyrics, too. Because there are sometimes when I hear groups sing songs, and I don't understand all the lyrics. I literally have to have them written out so I can exactly understand what they're saying, you know. That's great about God's word, too. We have it printed and translated in languages that we can understand today. So blessed be the name of the Lord. And so with that thought, as those graves are being broken up that day by the power of God, and that those dead believers are raising up out of their graves, instantaneously they're being transformed. They get their glorified bodies instantaneously. And those of us who are living at that moment shall also be changed. We will then receive our glorified bodies. We will be finally liberated completely from sin in our lives. And what does 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4 verses 13 through 18 go on to say? Is this, that those that are in the grave, they will rise up first and they will go, they will ascend to Yeshua, who's where he's in the clouds. This is his appearing. This isn't his second coming where he lands upon the earth and he deals with the anti Messiah and sets up his millennial reign. This is prior to that occasion. And those that us that are alive, we will what? We will ascend to meet him in the clouds. And the verse continues to say this, that we shall forever be with him. Now, does that mean that, we're, that Yeshua is then just simply suspended in the clouds and we're just caught up, all these believers? If that were true, then any person that living on the earth would be able to simply look up to the sky and say, look at them. They're still up there. But he takes us to go to his father's house. You, you know, Yeshua said, don't worry, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he said, these words are true. He has prepared a place for us to be with him forever in heaven. So now let us continue here with the scripture. Now I ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. These are Yeshua's own words. And so now we're going to do a comparative of what he's saying about his second coming. His coming on earth. Because in the context of the question that was being placed before him, they were asking him, is he now going to set up his kingdom? You see, when Yeshua appears in the clouds to take up his bride, Kihilat, the call out ones, both Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah, he doesn't instantaneously then, everyone lands on the ground back with him, 
And then, then, then he starts his millennial reign. See, his second coming where he lands upon the earth and he kills the anti-Messiah and he sets up his millennial kingdom is another time in the future. And so let us look at Matthew chapter 24 and beginning at verse 30. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And all the tribes of the land will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. With what tremendous power and glory. Did you notice in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 through 18? It doesn't speak about everyone seeing him in the land. But only believers hear that trumpet call. Only believers hear that angels shout. This is a private invitation. But now Yeshua here is speaking about his second coming, where he would set up his millennial reign. And what will transpire prior and as this becomes. Going forward here. Matthew 24, verse 30. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the tribes of the land will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with tremendous power and glory. And he will send out his angels with a great shofar. Does First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 even speak of that? No. This is a different event. And they will gather together his chosen people from the four winds, from one wind of the heaven to the other. Now let the fig tree teach you its lesson. When its branches begin to sprout and leaves appear. Notice here the word is appearing. The nation of Israel appearing. You know that summer is approaching. In the same way when you see all these things... You are to know that time is near, right at the door. Yes, I tell you that this people will certainly not pass away before all these things happen. Now, is he speaking of the generation that those disciples are living at that time? No, in the future. And the fig tree is the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel has, there has not been a Jewish nation for 2,000 years. But in May 1948, what happened? God gave birth to the nation of Israel. And so he says this, in the same way when you see all these things, you're to know the time is near and right at the door. Yes, I tell you that this people, those people living at that time, will certainly not pass away before all these things will happen. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Who's speaking here? Yeshua himself. He's the eternal God. He's the one that spoke everything that is into existence by the power and the authority of his word. Going on, verse 36. But when that day and hour will come, no one knows. His second coming. No one knows. Not the angels in heaven, not the Son, only whom the Father. For the Son of Man is coming will be just as it was in the days of Noah. Back then before the flood, people went on eating and drinking and taking wives and becoming wives right up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they didn't know what was happening until the flood came and swept them all away. Remember this, Noah warned them for 120 years that there was a flood that was coming. But they didn't believe him. They did not repent. They did, they did not prepare themselves. Continuing, it will be just like that when the Son of Man comes. Notice that this is not him appearing, but this is when he's coming and he's going to land on earth. Then there will be two men in a field. One will be taken and the other left behind. There will be two women grinding flour at the mill. 
One will be taken and the other left behind. So stay alert because you don't know what day your Lord will come. But you do know this. Had the owner of the house known when the thief was coming? And what did Yeshua say? He said he's coming as what? As a thief in the night. He would have stayed awake and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you must you too must always be ready for the Son of Man will come when you are not expecting him. When he's coming to appear, Rav Shaul taught those Thessalonian believers that any moment, Rav Shaul truly believed that he would live, be alive, to, to be in this rapture. You know what's amazing? There have been times when I've been in hospitals and I've been there with believers who are in the process of dying, leaving this world. And what were the words of comfort that God gave to me to share with them, to give them hope? I was holding their hands. I was praying with them. And many times family members would not even want to be there in the room as that person was breathing out their last breath. And I was asked to stay. Can you be with my father, my mother? Till they breathe their last breath. And sometimes these individuals would not be able to communicate with me. Some of them, their eyes were closed. They were in a coma coma state. Others were able to look and speak. And I was able to look them straight in the eye. And I would quote First Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 through 18 to them. And I told them this, I promise you, you will not miss out on the harpazo. That time when Yeshua shall appear in those clouds. Even though that if the Lord takes your spirit today and your soul to be with him instantaneously and we bury your body, that one day you will see the Lord before I do at his appearing. When the Lord raises you out of the grave, there was one time there was a family member who had other family members that were buried in a family-type cemetery. I said to that person, think about this. As we lay your body down in the grave and we're assembled and we say goodbye to you for a short time, as you enter into the Lord's rest and you simply go to sleep, that that very day when Harpazo being caught away, the rapture, the appearing of the Lord comes. And your body is sleeping in that grave with all your other relatives in that gravesite who have put their trust and faith in Messiah. You will, along with them, raise up out of your graves. Your soul and your spirit will go back into your mortal body. But instantaneously, your body will be transformed. You will have your glorified body. And then you'll look up and then you will be taken up along with all your relatives who put their trust and faith in Messiah. And you will be with him in the clouds. And I said, in the next few moments, if I'm still walking on this earth, or I may be laying, sleeping in a grave, then I'll rise up that same moment that you rise up. But if I'm walking on this earth, you'll rise up first and you'll go to be in the presence of the Lord in the clouds, but you won't leave. You'll wait until people like me who are alive at that time, and then instantaneously, I will be transformed. I will receive my glorified body. 
And then I will ascend with all those who are currently living. We shall ascend. And we will go to be with you and all those other believers who have ever died. From the time of Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, writing these words up until now who put their trust, even those who were buried at sea, even at those who died in fires, even at those who were martyrs and they simply cast their bodies out in the wilderness and their bodies were devoured upon and their bones were strewn. The Lord, when he comes and he appears, he will gather those people from the oceans and from the seas, from the wilderness, from the deserts, and he will fitly join their bodies together. And their bodies will be those transformed, glorified bodies. And they will ascend to be with the Lord. And I looked at these individuals and I would say, do you believe these words? Do you put your hope and trust? Because I know you confess that Yeshua, Jesus, is your Messiah. But you believe he's going to do this for you. This gave them hope. This gave them peace. To know this, that as they close their eyes, and some people when they die, they don't close their eyes. They're still staring right back at you. And when you're in the presence of seeing someone die, you can see not literally their spirit coming out of their body, because you can recognize their eyes are looking at you, but the life that were, was one moment ago in their eyes is no longer there. I've had opportunity to close those people's eyes as they went to sleep and then go out of the room and ask the family members to come back in and say, your beloved one has now gone into the presence of the Lord. And what, how would I comfort them? By reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18 and letting them know that if they put their trust, because there were times when there were people who had not put their trust in Messiah. See, the death of God's saints, those who put their trust and faith in the Lord, is not a fearful thing to go through. You simply go to sleep, and you simply awake with your new transformed body in the presence of the living God. This gives me comfort. This gives me hope. My wife and I have suffered two miscarriages as we had services for the remains of those children. These were the words. These were the verses that brought me comfort. To know this, that though the Lord decided by his own divine sovereign will that this child would not be born alive. This child immediately went into his presence, their soul and their spirit. You know what's beautiful about that? They're before the age of accountability. Before knowing their right, the difference of their right hand and their left hand. There's sin in their lives because we're all born into sin. Did not King David say, say that in when I was put together, woven together in my mother's womb, there was sin in my life. And so with this, knowing that those two children, and then later, my daughter-in-law, she suffered two miscarriages. Their bodies came out of her body. I held their body. And I prayed over the body. In the, my own personal reflection before the Lord, I was able to thank the Lord for taking them in 
to his presence. You see, I or you don't know people's bents. Whether they would walk with the Lord or not walk with the Lord. Have you ever prayed for your children, your grandchildren, your great nieces or nephews that they would come to know them of the Lord? I have for years, even before I was even married, I prayed that God would give me a godly wife and that God would give me godly children so they would walk with the Lord. And so with this, as I buried not only our own two children, but also buried the two grandchildren, what verse did I share at the gravesite to give comfort to everyone there? First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Knowing this, that those children in their innocence before the age of accountability would go to be their soul and spirit in the presence of the Lord. But their bodies are now resting in the cemetery. But I know this, that when Yeshua comes back at his appearing, his harpazo, that these grandchildren, their soul and spirit will come down and enter into their body. And their bodies will be transformed to their glorified body. And they will go before, if I'm alive at that time, they will go to meet the Lord in the air with other relatives who put their faith and trust in Messiah. And that those of us who are living will then ascend to be with the Lord forevermore. See, God has not appointed his wrath to be poured out upon us. If you study the second coming of Messiah, Prior to his coming on this earth, he pour out, pours out plagues and bowls, and he causes the great tribulation to happen upon this earth. That is to bring one thing, his justice, but also to give people who do not know him the opportunity to repent of their sins. See, God's plan, his hope, is that all of us who have a free will to come, will come to a saving knowledge of accepting Yeshua's sacrifice upon that tree. And just as God raised his son from the dead, so shall he raise all those believers who are sleeping now in the graves. Do you remember that video that was shown just a few years ago? of these Coptic Christian men who are being led out on a beach by ISIS terrorists. And they were asked to be knelt down and they were all beheaded. These men put their trust and faith in Messiah. What does the scripture say that in the last days will happen to those who profess that Yeshua is the Messiah? Jesus is the Messiah. What is the mode that the anti-Messiah will use to put and get rid of those who hold back his authority and power upon this earth? but beheading of those who put their faith and trust in Messiah. And we're not to walk in fear because the same peace that passes all understanding that we're with these Coptic Christian men from Egypt sustains us in that hour. See, we have all victory in knowing this, that we, have, we will overcome both sin in our lives by the power of God and we will overcome death by the power of God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's continue with the scriptures here. Rav Shaul spoke of Yeshua's return, his second coming on earth, as a time of judgment and wrath upon the wicked. 
Now let us look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. See, God's word is, e is eternal. And are we not to be prepared for Yeshua's return, his appearing? And are we not to be able to instruct others who do not receive Yeshua that there is a way of salvation for them? See, because as the great tribulation starts, God's wrath is being poured upon this earth. In Revelation chapter 4 beyond, you don't even hear about his called out ones anymore. His kihilah. Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah. You see, during after that period of time, since the Messianic community, the church is removed from this earth, God has to raise up what? 144,000 men from the 12 tribes of Israel. As we go further in our study in the book of Revelation, you will also notice that he has two witnesses that appear. And he also has angels proclaiming the good news to mankind. Why? Because his called out ones, his messianic community, his church, has been removed. Are there tribulation believers who come to his saving knowledge of Messiah during that time? Absolutely. But his kihila, his messianic community, his church, his bride, is not appointed unto wrath. Let's go forward here. 2 Thessalonians chapter one and beginning at verses seven through ten. I'll start in verse six. For it is justice for God to pay back trouble to those who are troubling you and give rest along with us to you who are being troubled. When the, the Lord Yeshua is revealed from heaven, with his mighty angels and fiery flame. See, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, it doesn't speak about angels in that portion of Scripture. It speaks about an angel crying out. That's it, his appearing. Now, Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, is dealing with the second coming of Yeshua. Continuing here. The Lord himself... Yeshua is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in a fiery flame. Then he will do what? Then he will punish those who do not know God. Do we see him doing that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18? No. So this is speaking of his second coming. How many of you have actually read 1 Thessalonians beginning to end, and 2 Thessalonians, beginning to end, to fully understand it in the, that full context. I encourage you to do so. Let's go forward here. Then he will punish those who do not know God. Who's doing the punishing here? It's Yeshua. Is he coming as the Lamb of God who's coming to take away the sins of the world? Absolutely not. He's coming as a lion of the tribe of Judah, the king of kings and lord of lords. And what is the father's will for him to do? These words. Then he will punish those who do not know God, know his father, his provision and his plan for their salvation. He's now judging and punishing those. He's meaning out punishment on these individuals who reject God and reject Yeshua, who have rejected Yeshua himself literally. Let's continue here. That is, those who do not listen 
to the good news of our Lord Yeshua and obey it. Now, is Yeshua going to do this to those uh, tribulation saints that are living at the time? Absolutely not. They put their trust and faith in him. Let's continue here. Verse 9. They will suffer the just penalty of eternal destruction. Do you hear that? He's going to separate them from himself. Continuing here. Far away from the face of the Lord and the glory of his might. See, there it says this, narrow is the way that leads to God. But how broad is the way to what? To destruction. Man's way. If you notice right now, we're living in the times right now where governments are changing. They're becoming very socialized. In other words, they're come, coming to the point where they're rejecting God as being the one that brings provision, denying him, denying his, his existence, and lifting up man, and calling for a redeemer, to redeem all mankind that's after their own liking. Humanistic God. No different than they did during the time of building of the Tower of Babel. Rejecting the one true God who's revealed himself through his son who is Yeshua and going their own way. Making gods of them own their own selves. Let's go forward here. On that day, when he comes to be glorified by his holy people and admired by all who have trusted, and you, now who is he speaking to? The Thessalonians. And not only them, but all believers who put their faith and trust. And you will be among them. See, notice this. Yeshua will be taking us in the presence of the Father. But then we shall return with him as his holy ones. Continuing here. Because you trusted our witness to you. Now, who's speaking these words? Is it Rabbi Frank? No. Rashaul, an apostle, is giving you these words. So that you will be prepared to share the hope that is in you. And to understand God's redemptive plan. And also God's justice, righteousness of handing out these penalties on those who have rejected the Messiah. Let's continue here. Now let us look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. So it's been a while since we read it. Now, brothers, we want you to know the truth. Notice that. He's saying, we want you to know the truth. Not speculation, not my opinion, but to know the truth about those who have died. Otherwise, you might become sad the way sad the way other people are. And do who have nothing to hope for. For since we believe that Yeshua died and rose from it again, we also believe that in the same way God through Yeshua will take with him those who have died. When we say this, we base it on the Lord's own word. We who remain alive when the Lord comes will certainly not take precedence over those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a rousing cry, with a call from one of the ruling angels, and with God's shofar or trumpet. Those who have died united with Messiah will, first, will be first to rise, and those who are left will, will be still, who are alive still, will be caught up 
with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we will always be with the Lord. So encourage one another with these words. So Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, is considered now different aspects of the second coming. In this brief passage is the most direct, clear teaching of what? Garar in Hebrew, being caught up or taken up, or harpazo, caught up rapture in the Brit Hadashah. It speaks only of believers here. Both living and the dead, nothing is said about the wicked seeing the Messiah Yeshua at this time, or that these angels will be coming with him. Rashul will describe Yeshua's coming in the air, but nothing is said about Yeshua's feet touching upon this earth. As we are told elsewhere at Yeshua's return in Zechariah 14.4, it says this, that on that day his feet, and who's the his? But Yeshua the Messiah will stand upon where? The Mount of Olives. See, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, at Yeshua's appearing in the clouds, it doesn't say that after we appear with the clouds, then we descend and we all land on the Mount of Olives. See, this would be counter to the teaching from Zechariah. So going forward here, he will stand on the Mount of Olives, which lies to the east of Jerusalem. And the mountain of olives will what? They'll be split in half from east to west to make a huge valley. Half the mountain will move to the north and the other half towards the south. And so in the very moment that we, our bodies are being transformed is a fulfillment of 1 John 3, 2. Turn with me to 1 John 3, 2. More evidence of our bodies being transformed immediately at the returning of the Lord. That's 1 John 3, 2. Dear friends, we are God's children now. And it has not yet been made clear that we will, what we will become. We know that when he appears... Notice that word, he appears. Why isn't John saying, well, at his second coming, when he lands upon this earth? But when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him as he really is. Now, going forward here. This same Greek word, harpazo, which is used in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, caught up is also used in Acts 8.39 to describe Philip being caught away after the Ethiopian eunuch immersed, was immersed or baptized. So turn with me now to Acts chapter 8, verses uh, 26. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. And the angel of Adonai said to Philip, Get up and go southward on the road that goes from, down from Jerusalem, Jerusalem to Azah, the desert road. And so he got up and he went his way and he caught the sight of an Ethiopian eunuch who was the minister in charge of all the treasure of the candidate or the queen of Ethiopia. And he had been to Jerusalem to worship, to Jerusalem to worship. And now, as he was returning home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the prophet Yeshiahu, or Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over to his, this chariot and stay close to it. And as Philip ran up, he heard the Ethiopian reading from Yeshiahu, Isaiah the prophet. And he asked him, do you understand what you're reading, he asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. And he invited Philip to climb up and sit with him. Now the portion of the Tanakh, the Old Testament, that he was reading was this. He was like a sheep led to be slaughtered, like a lamb silent before the shear. He does not open his mouth. He was humiliated and denied justice. Who would tell about his descendants since his life 
had been taken from the earth. Continuing. Then the eunuch said to Philip, here's my question to you. Is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip started to speak, beginning with that passage. He went on to tell him the good news about Yeshua. And as they were going down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here, some water. Is there any reason I shouldn't be immersed? And he ordered the chariot to stop. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And Philip immersed him. And when they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. That word there is harpazo, caught up, rapture. The eunuch saw no more of him, and he continued on his way, full of joy. But Philip showed up at Ashdod and continued proclaiming the good news as he went through all the towns until he came to Caesarea. And so with this, we see that the spirit of the living God had opportunity to use harpazo, being caught up, being translated during this time in scripture. So now going forward here, let us turn now to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Here we will see where Rashaul called the harpazo caught up a rapture or the gathering together to meet him, Yeshua. So that's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and beginning at verse 1. But in connection with the coming of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, and our gathering together to meet him, notice that, we're being gathered to meet him. We ask you, brothers, not to be easily shaken in your thinking, or anxious because of a spirit or a spoken message or letters supposedly from us claiming that the day of the Lord has already come. See, what he was addressing in 1 Thessalonians was this, that those believers at that time who had fellow believers who died and were sleeping in their graves, they thought they were going to miss out on the opportunity of Yeshua's appearing because they had died. But Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, gave clarity to them on what was going to take place here. And so in the same words, word used in gathering together is the same word used for assembling. In Messianic Jews, Hebrews 10.25, for what? Not neglecting our congregational meetings, as some of you have made a practice of doing, but rather encouraging one another this gives us the picture of all Messianic believers congregating around Yeshua the Messiah at his appearing and coming for him. But you know what's amazing right now? There are a majority of people in the evangelical congregations that are no longer teaching about Harpazo, the rapture, the appearing of Messiah. Because they believe that they're going to take over this earth and make this earth take over the governments and they're going to set up God's kingdom, his millennial kingdom upon this earth. And that is a false teaching. Let's go forward here. The supernatural removal of godly individuals from the earth is not unknown throughout all scriptures. The amazing event and this is what I spoke in detail last Shabbat about the life of Enoch. Was a miraculous disappearance from the earth after years of walking with God. And so what are you, you and I doing, my brothers and sisters of Messiah? Are you walking with God or are you walking away from him? Are you looking for his appearing? Let's go forward. Also, the author of the letter, Messianic Jews, Hebrews, called this experience a translation by surpassing death. In Messianic Jews, chapter 11, verse 5. Let's turn to Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 5. By trusting 
Enoch, Hanoak, was taken away from this life without seeing death. He was not to be found because God took him away. For he has been attested at being prior, been taken away, while pleasing to God. You see, when we are waiting for Yeshua's appearing, we are like those bridesmaids that are speaking in the parable. Those wise virgins who kept oil in their lamps. What is the oil of their lamp symbol of? But having the spirit of the living God dwell within you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Also, the example that I gave last Shabbat was about Eliyahu, Elijah. His translation differed from Enoch's and is also involved a sudden removal of a believer from the world without experiencing death. Where is that found in 2 Kings 2, 1 through 13? But now let us focus on this transformation of our earthly bodies. And where, do we, where did we receive that? From the same individual that spoke to through the Thessalonians. But he spoke to the Corinthians. Let's now turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And beginning at verse 50. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. And it says here, Let me say this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot share the kingdom of God. What is he saying then? He's saying this, that our mortal bodies, which where sin dwells, we cannot dwell in the presence of a holy God. Isn't it amazing when a prophets of God who had an appearing of Yeshua, they would fall before him as dead men. Isaiah, he said, I am a man with unclean lips, unclean tongue. What was Yohanan, John, who knew Yeshua face to face? He lived with him for three and a half years. But he did not see him walking in his full glory of his appearance. In Revelation, it says this, that when he turned and he saw him, he fell down before him as a dead man. And Yeshua had to come up and lay his hand upon his shoulder and raise him up and say, do not be afraid. So going forward here, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. Let me say this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot share in the kingdom of God, nor can something that decays share in what does not decay. You know what? If you were to take out a picture of yourself and place it right next to your face right now from 20 years ago, you would see dramatic changes, would you not? My body is dying. My body is decaying. I don't have the same strength as I did 20-some years ago. This is true. So going forward here. Look, I will tell you a secret. Notice that. He's now revealing a secret to us. Who's doing this? It's not Rabbi Frank. It's Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul. Look, I tell you a secret. Not all of us will die, but we will all be changed. That is, it will take but a moment. With the blink of an eye at the final shofar, for the shofar will sound, and the dead will be raised to live forever. Does that not coincide with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18? Absolutely. We too will be changed. And what is he speaking about here in this context? Our mortal bodies will be changed. We will receive our glorified bodies in that moment. For this material cannot, which can decay, must be clothed with imperishability. What does that mean? It will never wear out. It will never die. It will never break down. 
this is this which is mortal must be clothed with immortality. When what decays puts on imperishability and what is mortal puts on immortality, then this passage in the talk will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Where's that a quote from? But Isaiah chapter 28, 25, 8, going on. Death, where is your victory? Death, where's your sting? Where's that a quote from? Hosea 13, 14. The sting of death is sin, and sin draws its power from the Torah. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. So, my dear brothers, stand firm, immovable, always doing the Lord's work as vigorously as you can, knowing that united with the Lord, your efforts are not in vain. So everything that we do upon this face of this earth is for his glorification to be revealed in us. And so Rav Shaul spoke about the changes that will take both place in both the living and the dead believers at the harpazo, the great being caught up, the rapture. He said this in that mystery or that secret in First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 to the end. A truth previously unrevealed, but made known to him by whom? By the Ruach HaKodesh. Now, these apostles and prophets who claim to be apostles and prophets today, do they have that same authority? No, they do not. See, God's word has been sealed from Bereshit, which is Genesis to Revelation. It is sealed. Those holy prophets and apostles have given us and delivered us the word of God. So if any today prophet or apostle, pastor, rabbi, Bible teacher, teach you anything that is not to be found in God's word, have nothing to do with it, for that is mere speculation and opinion. Let's continue here. In Philippians 3, 21, let's turn there now. Philippians 3, 21. Notice this, the individual who has written all these books that I've mentioned so far today, 1 Corinthians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and now Philippians, were written through and by one apostle, Rashaul. Continuing here, in first, excuse me, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 21. I'm going to start in verse 20. But we are citizens of where heaven, not America, not Israel. You name the, the state, the county, you are citizens of heaven. And since, and it is from there that we expect a deliverer, the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. Now, verse 21, he will change. The bodies we have in this humble state and make them like his glorious body, using the power which enables him to bring everything under his control. When was the last time that you read that verse? It's probably been years. And for some of us, maybe we've never read it. See, this is what Yeshua is going to do. He's going to change our mortal bodies into immortal bodies that will resemble himself in character. Sin will not dwell or abide in our bodies anymore because our Redeemer has redeemed us by his precious blood. Let's go forward here. Rav Shaul is connecting Messiah's, Yeshua's coming, his appearing, to be a time when our 
when our fallen bodies will be changed, transformed at Yeshua's appearing in the clouds. You know what it says? In his second coming, when he lands upon the Mount of Olives, no one's body is being changed. No one's, no one's being, no believers are being raised from the dead, from the graves. See, we've got to look at these things as they are, two specific events. You know what? There were over 500 Bible quotations in the Tanakh and Brit Hadashah pertaining to the second coming of Yeshua when he lands upon this earth. But there are very, very few portions of scripture that speak about his appearing and us being transformed. Both those who are dead in Messiah and asleep and those who are living at that time. See, this is a divine invitation for only believers going forward here. The fallen body will be changed, transformed at Yeshua's appearing in the clouds. Is another, another reference to the harpazo being caught up or the rapture. Passages which pertain to harpazo caught up and rapture describe this coming of the Lord Yeshua for his own people, which is Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah. The kihilat, the called out ones, the Messianic community, the church, his bride. The passage which referred to the revelation of Messiah Yeshua described in the coming of the Lord and his for his saints. Now let us look at another Bible verse, Colossians chapter 3, verse 4. Right next door to Philippians, chapter 3, verse 4. When the Messiah, who is our life, appears. Notice that word appears. It doesn't say when Messiah, who is our life, at his second coming who lands on the earth, on the Mount of Olives. But it says this, when Messiah, who is our life, appears. Now, as Rav Shul was writing these letters, and he was teaching about Harpazo being caught up, his appearing in the clouds, he was laying out this theme so we would fully understand. And he's using this same language. When Messiah, who is our life, what's your life about today? Are you living for Yeshua? Are you living for Father God? Or are you just living out your own life the way you want? Are we not to lay down our lives? Are we not to pick up our execution stakes, our crosses, and follow after him? Rav Shul said this, that the life I now live is no longer my own, but it belongs to him. He said as his life was ending, I pour out my life as a living sacrifice unto God. That's what true believers are to be doing, to be looking forward to his appearing. Let's read that one more time. When the Messiah, who's the Messiah but Yeshua, who is our life, the reason for my hope, for my being, who is our next president, who cares? Who's our Messiah? That's eternal. Let's go forward here. Who is our life appears, then you too will appear with him in glory. Do you hear that? Are you going to underline that? Are you going to believe what the apostle is saying to you? Are you looking forward no matter what tribulation trial you find yourself in? Know this, that whether the Lord allows you to die and go to sleep, or to be living at his appearing, you will not miss out. This is a promise of God that you can bank and you can put your trust in, just like your eternal life being washed by the blood of the Lamb. This assurance of his appearing at any moment can happen anytime. But are we looking forward? Are we so consumed about what's going on in this world? He says this, Look up for your redemption draws what? It draws near your Redeemer. Let's go forward here. Blessed be the name of the Lord, who has received all glory 
and honor and praise. Next, we'll finish on this today. Now let's go to the book prior to the book of Revelation. It's called the book of Jude or Yehuda. Judah. And we'll finish on this verse today. When was the last time you read the book of Jude or Judah? It might have been years, right? See, God's word gives us life. It gives us revelation and gives us hope. You know what's amazing? You don't have to say chapter 1, 2, or 3 of the book of Jude or Judah. Because it's only one chapter. And who was this Judah? Was it Judas Iscariot? No, this was one of Yeshua's brothers. Listen at the very beginning. From Yehuda, Judah, a slave of Yeshua, the Messiah and brother of Yaakov. Who is Yaakov? James. We have the book of James, the book of Yaakov, the book of Jacob. To those who have been called and who are loved by God the Father and kept for Yeshua the Messiah. You know you're being kept for Yeshua. He's bought you with his own precious blood. He has inscribed your name upon his hands. One day in the book of Revelation, it says this, that he will give those a white stone who he's inscribed upon it your new name. Let's continue here. May mercy and love and shalom be yours in full measure. Dear friends, I was busily at work writing to you about the salvation we share when I found it necessary to write to you, urging to keep contending earnestly for the faith, which was once and for all passed on to God's people. For certain individuals, the ones written about long ago as being meant for this condemnation, have wormed their way in. Notice that. There's infiltrators into the body of Messiah. Ungodly people who pervert God's grace into a license for what? Debauchery. And disown our only master and Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Since you already know all this, my purpose is only to remind you that Adonai who once delivered the people from Egypt, later destroyed those who did not trust. And the angels did not keep within their own original authority. Fallen angels. Who became what? Present day demons. But abandoned their proper sphere. He has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting change for judgment on the great day. In Sodom and Omorah and the surrounding cities, following the pattern like theirs, committing sexual sins and provisions, perversions, lie exposed at warning of the everlasting fire, awaiting those who must undergo punishment. Likewise, these people with their visions defile their own flesh, and despise godly authority and insult angelic beings. When Michael, Michael, one of the ruling angels, took issue with the adversary, who is Hasatan, arguing over the body of Moshe, who is Moses, he did not dare to bring against him an insulting charge, but said, may Adonai rebuke you. However, these people insult anything they don't understand. And they do not, and what they do not understand naturally without thinking like animals, by those things they are destroyed. Going on, it says this Woe unto them, in that they have walked the road of Cain, Cain, and they have given themselves over for money to the heir of Balaam. Balaam. They have been destroyed in the rebellion of Korah, Korah. These men are filthy spots at your festival gatherings, meant to foster love. Notice that. They're in among the called out ones. They share your meals without qualm, 
while caring only for themselves. Sounds like people we live around. They are waterless clouds carried away with winds by winds, trees without fruit, even in the autumn, doubly dead because they have been what? Uprooted. There's no life in them. Savage sea waves heaving forth their shameful deeds like foam, wandering stars from whom the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Moreover, Hanoah, Enoch, in the seventh generation starting with Adam, also prophesied about these men. Did you hear that? Enoch just simply did not walk with God, but he prophesied about evil people living during his days. And this was before Torah was established. This Hanoak, Enoch, was a righteous Gentile going forward. About these men saying, look, Adonai came with his myriads of holy ones to execute judgment against everyone. Notice of that, he's speaking about the second coming. That Messiah, when he comes, he's coming with his myriad of angels to do what? To execute judgment against everyone. That is to convict, convict all the godless for their godless deeds, which they have done in such godless ways. And for all harsh words, these godless sinners have spoken against him. See, this is no brand new message. This message was being prophesied and spoken by one of God's holy prophets, whose name is Enoch, a righteous Gentile. Speaking about the last days, going forward, these people are grumblers and complainers. They follow their evil passions. Their mouths speak grandiose, grandiosities, and they flatter others to gain an advantage. But you, my dear friends, keep in mind the words spoken in advance by the emissaries, the apostles, the sent ones of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. They told you during their Arkarit Hayamim, that is the latter days, there will be scoffers following their own godless passions. These people are, who will cause divisions. They are controlled by their impulses because they do not have what? The spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh. But you, dear, but you, dear friends, build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in union with what? The Ruach HaKodesh. Are we daily praying with the spirit of the living God? And when you run out of words to pray, do you allow the Ruach HaKodesh to speak and pray with and through you? Continuing, thus keeping yourself in God's love as you wait for what? Wait for our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, to give you mercy that leads to eternal life. Rebuke some who are disputing, save others, snatching them out of the fire, and to yet others show mercy. But with fear, hating even the clothes stained by their vices. Now, to the one who can keep you from what? Falling. Falling away. And set you without what? Without defect. And full of joy in the presence of what? His glory. His Shekinah. His Shekinah. To God alone our deliverer. Through Yeshua, our Messiah, our Lord. Be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. This portion of the message here is complete. Shabbat Shalom.